Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. G'day everyone, great to be here with you tonight. Well done for coming along tonight in this post-pandemic flu season, I think. I think there's a few people away sick tonight, but uh, well done. Uh, I'm Michael, if you haven't met me, one of the pastors here at Salt, love to meet you if you're new with us. And I'm going to pray for us uh, as we look into Deuteronomy chapter 5, that passage that Tom read out for us. So let's pray together. Our great Heavenly Father, your word says your law is perfect. It is refreshing for our souls. It is trustworthy. Uh, It makes us wise. It gives us joy and light to our eyes. It's more precious than gold, sweeter than honey. Uh, In keeping your law, there is great reward. Father, please help us to see that tonight as we look into Deuteronomy chapter 5. Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm sure you're aware that some are saying that Christianity is not good. It is not refreshing. It will not bring life. Uh, It is not trustworthy. It is not good. In fact, Christianity will enslave you. Now, there's a guy by the name of Christopher Hitchens. I'm sure you've heard of him. Uh, Well-known atheist. He actually passed away a few years ago. But in 2007, he wrote this book, God is not great. How religion poisons everything. I think you can tell he doesn't like Christianity, yeah? Uh, But he's kind of capturing the mood over the last couple of decades in the West uh, of the shift that's taken place in in, in the way we think about Christianity as a culture. Uh, How did it progress? We used to think about Christianity as a good thing, uh, even if you weren't a Christian. Uh, There's something positive for our for our society and our culture, uh, something to base our lives on, even if we don't take Jesus too seriously. Moving to, we'll just tolerate Christianity, we'll just tolerate Christians, uh, we don't really agree with them, to moving to a different place, which is where I think we are now, and that is actually, no, no, Christianity is harmful. Christianity is not all good. Uh, It's actually bad for you. Even the word dangerous is used of Christianity. Christianity will enslave you. Uh, You might have come across this before, maybe you're not yet a Christian and you're still trying to work out what is Christianity and you might have heard this about Christianity, you might have heard, isn't it about God taking us from our lives of enjoyment, here are the rules, if you obey these rules, if you do well, I might accept you, there might be a reward at the end. I reckon even for us as Christians, uh, we can have this view of Christianity There is the good life. Uh, God doesn't really want us to enjoy that life. Here are the things he wants us to get on with and obey. Do you believe that they're actually good things? Is that, what is your view of the Christian life? Uh, We're going to be challenged with those things tonight as we look into Deuteronomy chapter 5. So have your Bibles open, Deuteronomy chapter 5. You might need to flick back there if you're in Romans. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, we're in our series, How to Love God. And we've come to a really famous part of the Bible, right? So, Ten Commandments. It's literally not Ten Commandments, but Ten Words uh, referred to in Deuteronomy chapter 4, the, one, the chapter before the one we're looking at. And it's basically Moses summarizing the law. Here's my ten point summary of the law. Here's 
how to live in right relationship with God now that you are rescued as God's people. Here's how to love God, the vertical, and here's how to love one another, the horizontal. Uh, it's, it's a great summary, actually. It's, the, it's the, what Jesus summarised as two really the most important commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. Love your neighbour as yourself. That's, that's what it's about. So it's how to be that beautiful community of God's people. Um, the beautiful community where everyone gets that God is loving and righteous and holy and merciful and kind, that God is the judge, that he is to be feared and honoured and respected, where everyone in the community uh, is actually looking out for each other. Uh, I don't know whether you've heard this expression, beautiful expression, where everyone is other person-centred, where everyone's more concerned about the needs of others, that people realise, I worship the God of all the universe, the king, the judge, the world doesn't revolve around me, it revolves around him. Uh, I'm not the most important person in the room. God is and the needs of others. How good would it be to be part of that community? How good would it be to love that God? See, the law of God will take us there. And that's what Moses wants to impress on our hearts. The law doesn't enslave, it gives life. And so as we come to Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses is going to press Israel. Are you going to be part of it? And I reckon it's a great opportunity for us tonight to think about it too. Are we going to be part of it now and in the future? Because there's a real danger you could miss out. And that's the danger for the Israelites and that's the danger for us as well. So have a look, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Let's remind ourselves of the context. Uh, Remember, God's people are on the verge of the promised land. They're about to enter the land that God has promised them, the, the land that's rich, the land flowing with milk and honey. Have a look at this map. Um, They've done the big journey, the 40 years in the wilderness. Before that, they went to Mount Sinai. They saw uh, God on the mountain give the Ten Commandments. 40 years of wilderness up there to the east side of the Promised Land, almost there. And here is Moses, the pastor, if you like, of God's people, saying, we're just about to come in. Here is God's good word to you before you enter. Uh, and there's Moses also reminding them of their relationship with God. And what is that relationship? God, out of his immense grace, his enormous mercy, has rescued you out of slavery. He's brought you this far by grace, by mercy, by his power. And now he wants to do the same again as he brings you into the promised land. So as we think about these 10 words from God, it's not how to enter relationship with God. It's not how Israel entered relationship with God, but how to live. Now you are rescued. Now you are one of God's people. It's not the expectation of all the nations. It's God's expectation of his nation, Israel. And the first thing that Moses says here in in Deuteronomy chapter 5 is listen. Listen, listen. I don't know whether you picked up the language. What's the language there? Verse 1, hear, listen, learn, follow him. Sorry, follow the commandments. Stick to them. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Keep the straight path. Walk in obedience to the Lord and his commands, his decrees. Moses is saying, you do everything you can to be one of the people of God. To obey God's law, listen very carefully. Look at it with me. Verse 1. Hear Israel. 
the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. We'll, we'll, we'll flick over to, to the last verse, the last couple of verses of the chapter. This is like a bookend. 32, so be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or the left. Walk in obedience to all the Lord your God has commanded you, so you might live and prosper and prolong your days in the, in the land the Lord is giving you to possess. See, what, what's going to be the result? What has God got in store for them? Well, it's a prosperous life, isn't it? It's a long life. It's a good life. They need to stick the course with their Lord, their God. And notice the urgency in Moses' voice. This is your life we're talking about. This is the promised land. You could miss out. And he doesn't want them to miss out. And he doesn't want them to miss out because their parents missed out. You notice that in verse, flick with me to verse 23 there. He, he recounts the experience of their parents. Your, your parents were there at Mount Sinai. They heard the awesome voice of God. They saw the flames. You know, Moses was the mediator. It was, all, it was all getting a bit too much. But what was their response? They wanted to obey. They had good intentions. They wanted to listen. They said, Moses, tell, tell us what God says. We'll obey. But look at verse 29. Listen to what God says here. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always, so it might go well with them and their children forever. There's a sense in which I'm not sure they're going to keep their promise. I'm not sure they're going to get over the line. I want them to for their good and for my glory, but it may not happen. And they failed, didn't they? And so now the opportunity is with the next generation. And so at the beginning of the chapter, that's why you get verse 2. Look at verse 2. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Well, they weren't actually there at Mount Sinai. But actually God knew it would be this generation. And so now is the opportunity for this generation. Verse 3. It was not with our ancestors the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. And so what is Moses saying? He's saying, are you listening? Are you ready to obey? Are you ready to enter? Are you hearing the voice of God? I reckon that's a a great reminder for us tonight. As you hear the word of God each Sunday, as you hear the word of God, as you open the Bible, you go to small group, you, you open the Bible yourself. It's possible, isn't it, to hear the voice of God and actually not hear. It is possible to hear and not hear. You get what I mean? And to not hear is actually to reject God, to not receive what he says. And and Moses wants to say to Israel, I want to say to you guys, don't let that be you. There's different kinds of listening, isn't there? Uh, It's a terrible experience, isn't it, when you're speaking to someone and you know that they're not listening. (laughs) Isn't that a bad experience? A friend of mine on the the Central Coast uh, he must have just been going through a terrible time because every Sunday at church, how are you going? Nothing. Work going okay? Nothing. How's family? Nothing. Was he listening? Was he responding? Don't, um, don't listen like the way I listen to movies at home to the frustration of my family. Uh, I listen to a movie in the room while I'm doing something else. Um, I miss parts of the plot. 
In fact, I miss whole endings of movies because I, I, think, I think I know what's going to happen. Listen carefully. It's more like listening to a friend who says, I really want to catch up with you. I really got something to tell you. Or it's like a husband or wife who says, we need to talk. And you know when they're listening, don't you? You know when someone is actively listening by the way they're responding. And you even know after the meeting, have they really heard me? Because they've, they've actually changed or they've understood or they've commented or they've done something. Are you listening? Because Israel failed to listen and missed out on the promised land. So let's have a look at these 10 words from God. Come with me. We're going we're gonna to go through the 10, first four pretty quickly, and then this, the last six in a bit more detail. So stick with it tonight uh, as, we, as we go through these 10 words from God. So the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. Here is God. I am the Lord. I am the only God, the one and the only, and I am your God. You're not to have any other gods uh, before me. I'm the one who rescued you out of Egypt. It's not like you to have a hierarchy of gods and I'm at the top. Actually, you to have no other gods. So what's it saying? God will not share his glory with anyone. He is the one deserving of the highest place. He is the Lord. He deserves to be worshipped. It's hard to think of a, a picture of this in, in, in our lives, but I think the marriage vows are probably a good, good one, humanly speaking. Uh, you know, when you get to the wedding and the bride and groom say to one another, effectively, from this day on, I forsake all others and I wed you. So all the other options I had, that's a bit of a hypothetical for some of us, um, but I forsake them for the sake of you. You are the one. You are the one I will wed this day. You are the number one. God is the number one. What's the, what's the second commandment? Uh, don't misrepresent God. Don't make an image of God. Don't think that somehow that image will represent God. It won't represent God. See, who is, who is the God who's, who's there? He's, he's alive. He's dynamic. He's the speaking God. He's the God who hears and acts. And the image you make is lifeless, isn't it? It's dumb. It's impersonal. It's powerless. It doesn't represent God. I remember when we bought our house on the central coast, uh, the first inspection, we go to the house and in, on the, on the, near the front door and in the corridor there was a was a picture of Jesus and we met the owner and she knew we were Christians and she said um, Jesus watches over this house and I agree with I'd agree with her but not through the picture in the hallway near the front front door I'm thinking if we buy this house I'm going to have to put that picture in the bin fortunately she did it for me or she took it away uh, and we bought the place but it won't do will it Jesus is the Lord, the living Lord, the speaking Lord, the powerful Lord. He will not be represented by anything or anyone. Thirdly, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. At the very basic level, don't use God's name as a swear word. But more than that, don't misuse God's name by the way you live. See, Moses is saying, 
The way you behave, Israelites, will represent God. See, the way the Israelites lived either brought honour and glory to the name of God, or it dishonoured God, it profaned His name, it angered God, it dishonoured the Lord. Did you ever wonder why your teachers were so keen for you to be well-behaved on the way home from school, on the bus, when you're wearing the school uniform? Because you're still representing the school, yeah? When you behave badly, this is what I was told anyway, you reflect badly on the school. When you behave well, you reflect well on the school. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. Of course, the other way that the Israelite could misuse the name of the Lord is by false prophecy, by saying, this is what God says, when that's not what God says. How um, inappropriate is that? We know how angry that makes us, doesn't it? When someone says, you said this, or you believe this, when you don't. Have a look, verse 12, the, the fourth command, keep the Sabbath. That is, down tools for one day per week. Uh, not just you, but your whole household. You notice the, the list of all the people in your household. Uh, shut the business down. Give the animals a rest too. Trust that God will provide. You don't need to work seven days a week. Don't abuse people by making them work seven days a week. Remember the God who rescued you out of slavery. That's how you used to live. How crazy is it if now you work seven days a week, never enjoy the good gifts that God's given you? Never stop to realise God has rescued you, that there is a world to come. Have a Sabbath, have a break, think about it. Enjoy the good gifts that God's given you. You see how good God is? How good is that, that God gives us that gift of enjoyment, of rest, of the reminder of salvation, unlike the nations? Well, come with me, the fifth commandment, family unit is really important. Honour your parents. Uh, Your mother and father are to have a a special place of respect and honour in your life. You're actually to hold them in high esteem. And notice verse 16, the reason why. Honour your parents so that you may live long and it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Why is it that the Israelite children will live long in the land if they honour their parents? Uh, It's actually, there's more to be said in this next week in Deuteronomy chapter 6, but... It's actually the responsibility of the parents in Deuteronomy 6 to teach their children who they are, to teach their children the ways of the Lord, to say to their kids, son, you are a rescued one, you're a saved one, that's your identity, now live this way and you will enjoy the blessings of the land like us. Don't turn aside, keep going. The Apostle Paul picks it up in Ephesians chapter 6, bring your children up, in the training and instruction of the Lord. Teach your children, you are saved by Jesus. You are rescued, you are forgiven. You have all the blessings of the Father. Now live this way in response to what God has done for you. So, so important. Most of us here tonight, most of you aren't aren't parents, but so, so important that you can see the emphasis of the Scriptures. You, the parent, make sure that happens. You disciple your kids. Don't think, don't shirk from that responsibility. Uh, don't think that's the responsibility of church. 
uh, even though church should be a great partner in that work. Don't think it's the responsibility of a Christian school, even though the, the Christian school can be a great partner in that work. And don't be embarrassed to call your children to account, to honour you. It might be very countercultural, but it's right and good and godly. It's part of being Christian. And notice too, uh, we're all children, right? We're all to work out how do we honour our parents? Have you thought about that? Uh, That's what the Israelite was to do. What does it mean for me to respect, to give due honour to my father, to my mother? And it's tricky, isn't it? When you're a young adult, some of you are young, you're in that transition phase where honour used to mean obedience. You just do what your parents tell you to do unless they tell you to disobey God. Then you move to adulthood and it's honour doesn't always mean obedience, does it? How can I honour them even if I disagree with them? Because I need to make my own choices. I need to work out what does it mean for me to live in light of the promises of God. I need to take responsibility for myself, but honour them. Sixth commandment, you shall not murder. Don't take another human life for illegitimate reasons. Why is that? Well, it's all all in the Scriptures, isn't it? Back into Genesis, we're made in the image of God. Uh, Humankind is the pinnacle of God's good creation. Uh, Of all the creation, who is made in the image of God? Every human being. Life is sacred, life is precious, life is to be protected. But notice what it doesn't say. Notice it doesn't say, do not kill. And we've already seen in Deuteronomy, haven't we, that war, sure, it can be wrong. It can be a horrendous evil, but it's not necessarily wrong. In fact, God has ordered Israel to war as an expression of his judgment over the nations. But have a think about this. This might come across a bit extreme on a Sunday night, but what would stop you, as we think about this command, you shall not murder, what would stop you from murdering? It sounds extreme, doesn't it? Many people would say, of course you'd never murder. Um, In fact, if those who are against Christianity might say, "That's that's a classic example of why we don't need to be told by God not to murder. We can actually work out that for ourselves. We've got a, we've all got our own moral compass. No one would actually do that, would they? But maybe we haven't been pushed hard enough with a big enough injustice in our life. Because when, when you're faced with an injustice, have you noticed great temptations of anger and hatred come up of wanting to take matters in your own hands and it's only the level of that injustice that perhaps hasn't pushed us towards murder Uh, most of you aren't old enough but there was uh, a very famous murder case in 1986 Anita Cobby was murdered and raped um, by by a gang of men Um, The perpetrators are still in prison uh, and probably for life. And a few years ago, on 60 Minutes, uh, her husband, John Cobby, was interviewed uh, and he told the horrific story of grief that he went through as a man who lost his wife to such brutal men, such evil men. And he was talking about the grief and the lack of hope and the depression and the turning to drink And just how his whole life had collapsed before him because of one night. 
And there was a point in the interview where, where the interviewer says to him, what would you do if those men were ever released? And he said very quickly, very confidently, there is no question I would kill them. And I reckon the thousands of people that watched that that night would have thought, actually, I've got a lot of sympathy for that guy. Maybe that's justified. Maybe he's justified in wanting murder. And you think to yourself, what would change his mind? What would change his heart? I was so moved by him that I prayed for him that night. But I thought to myself, what would be different if I was in his shoes? Um, How would it be different if you were in that position? What would stop you from murder? And surely knowing God makes a massive difference. Surely knowing that God is the maker of every human life and is a serious thing to take another life. Surely knowing that God is the judge, that no one will get away with anything, there is a judgment to come. Surely that would help. That's why it says we're not to murder. We might be tempted. We need to control our hatred even of evil. Uh, Of course, it means punishment is justified in this life. But it also means we can hold out the gospel of forgiveness, doesn't it? Of, Of repentance, of calling them to account before they face the judge. And actually believing the gospel ourselves and wrestling with forgiveness of sins of our own and also of others, do not murder. Do not commit adultery is the next one. God has set up the beautiful gift of marriage. Uh, Integral to uh, Israel's life and prosperity is the family and is marriage. Uh, The one relationship between one woman, one man exclusively, sexual relationship for life, don't break that bond. Uh, don't break the promise you made to your husband, to your wife, he's saying to the Israelites, don't break someone else's promise to their husband or their wife. Uh, it's, it's all over the marriage vows, even to this day, isn't it? Forsaking all others, I wed you. It's, it's when the minister says, um, what God has joined together this day, let no one separate. And on the wedding day, it would, it'd be horrendous, wouldn't it? To, to somehow think that you're going to get in the way of that marriage, that you're going to approach the groom or approach the bride and do something inappropriate, everyone would, would say that's horrendous. And yet, as time goes on, our sinful hearts tempt us. God's saying, don't break the marriage bond. Don't go down that path. Don't covet your neighbour's spouse. Don't long for someone who's not yours. What a great God to tell us those things. Because you go down that path of adultery and there is great, great pain. So it's crazy, isn't it, that God is somehow called a killjoy by some people. Adultery does some serious damage to the community. It, it savagely unravels God's good gift of family and a hundred other relationships. I remember thinking um, as a pastor when I first came out of college, thinking, what is the hardest thing that I'm ever going to have to deal with? And I think I firmly thought it will be death, won't it? It'll be going to the funeral of the person that we loved in our church community or the person in our community and saying goodbye and speaking God's word at that moment. 
But it's not the most painful thing. The most painful thing is unfaithfulness. If you want to rip someone's heart out, you want to do the most damage of all, if you want to see what God hates, the damaging of relationships because he's the God of faithfulness, it's adultery. But isn't God good for telling us that and insisting on that? How good would it be if we had a community that actually took these 10 words seriously? How good would it be if everyone loved God and honoured him and revered him? How beautiful would it be if everyone honoured one another and thought about the needs of other people? Well, let's look at the last few quickly. You shall not steal. That seems crazy, doesn't it? They're about to go into the promised land. They're about to have an incredible abundance of things that God knows their sinful hearts. They'll steal because they'll get greedy. They'll steal because they're not content with what God's given them. They'll steal because they don't ask me for what they need or they don't see what I've given them. And don't give false testimony. Speak the truth because God is the the God of truth. Love the truth. Love the truth. Speak the truth. How do you love other people? How do you love your neighbour? Don't lie about them. Don't lie to them. Speak truthfully to them. Speak truthfully about them. And the last one, you shall not covet. Again, how crazy. There is the land of abundance. Why do you covet what someone else has? God knows we'll be tempted. Feels a bit like our country, doesn't it? We're one of the wealthiest countries in the world. If you've got a running hot water, if you've got lights in your house, you are in the top 5% of the world. And yet our country is known to covet to actually want more. Uh, it's the temptation, isn't it? Every time you go to someone else's house and they've got, a, they've got a nicer house, you sit in someone else's car and their car is nicer than yours and you think to yourself, I really like this. I want what they have. How come they have that and I don't have that? And it's kind of saying to God, God, you've ripped me off. God, you're not generous. I don't like the gifts that you've given me. I want the gifts that you've given someone else. And God says, don't be like that. Don't covet. God has given you everything you need. Well, there's the 10 words. How does it, how does it fit with us? How does it fit with Israel? Where did it go with Israel? They were called to obedience. They were called to hear, to obey, to listen. And they did enter. Yeah, If you know the, the, where the story goes, they, did, they do enter the promised land. But ultimately, ultimately, they fail, and they fail terribly. If you know, the Old Testament is littered with examples of idolatry, where they've turned to the idols, they've turned to images, they've abused one another, they've, they've stolen, there's hatred and there's murder. Uh, there's times when they are no, they're not distinguishable from the nations. Uh, it's what makes Jesus so angry when he turns up and he meets the Pharisees, who are absolutely keeping the letter of the law but their hearts are far from God so what does Jesus say you're proud because you don't murder you'd never do that but what does Jesus say but you hate your brother in your heart or you'd never you'd never admit that you desire another man's wife but in your heart that's what you're thinking and so what do the Israelites need what do we need We need God to do a a massive transformation of our hearts, don't we? 
We need to do God, God to do a massive work on us. Because you look at God's perfect law and you realise God is so good and I am not good. God wants me to love him with all my heart, but unless God does a serious work on me, I will not love him with all my heart and I will not love you with all my heart. It's actually one of the things that happened to us at small group this week. We opened up Deuteronomy chapter 5 and occasionally we confess our sins and realise, wow, we're not like this. And we did that this week and we prayed. Because you read through the 10 words from God and you realise, I've failed. I haven't always done these things. And so what does God do? He wants, he wants to change us. So let me point you, Jeremiah 31, you look this up another time, Jeremiah 31, 31. God says, I'm going to make things new. I'm going to make a new person, a new covenant. It won't be like the covenant I made with Moses when I rescued the people from Egypt. What's the new covenant? Listen to this. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God is going to make a people who actually want to love him, revere him, honour him, actually want to love other people and be that community that God desires. How does it happen? It only happens through Jesus, doesn't it? It only happens when Jesus, the perfect law keeper, stands in our place, uh, receives the judgment that we deserve for all our sins and brings us forgiveness, sends us the Spirit, changes us from the inside, turns us to God uh, so that we want to obey him, we want to follow him, we want to be that new person that he's making us, forms us into that new community, loving God, revering God, imperfectly loving one another, being other person-centred until we reach that new promised land, heaven itself. And so I want to say to you tonight, Moses is saying, listen, obey, be careful, follow everything that God has said. You are a rescued people. Respond in this way. And isn't it the same for us? Uh, Look at what God has done. Look how Jesus has rescued you. Look how he's forgiven you and saved you. Look at the community he's brought you into. Now keep listening, keep obeying, keep following before you get to that promised land to come. I reckon maybe for some of you, it might be actually coming to Jesus for the first time, even tonight. As you think about the way that you've not obeyed these 10 words, the forgiveness that you need, that we all need, obeying him, keep listening to him, keep responding to God, keep hearing his word, keep working out what it means to honour him, love him and love your brothers and sisters. I'm going to give you a minute to to reflect, have a think tonight. Do you believe that God's way is good? What are the things that you need to say sorry for? What are the things you've been reminded of tonight? Give you a moment to reflect and I'm going to pray. Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning as we've heard your word that you deserve all glory, honour and praise. You are our God, the Lord. Father, thank you that your ways are good and perfect. They bring life, they refresh us. They bring a community that loves one another and loves you.
Father, we do confess this morning as we hear your righteous ways, your good ways, that our hearts are not always in the right place. Um, We confess our sins before you this morning. Father, thank you for the wonderful work you've done in Jesus to transform us, to change us, to forgive us, to give us your spirit, to write your law on our hearts and our minds uh, so that we would desire you and desire to love one another. Father, please help us to keep hearing from you, obeying you, following you, uh, that we might enter the beautiful promised land to come. In Jesus' name. Amen.